When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, it's Craig Fowler here. Before we get to tonight's show, let me tell you about our sponsors for this week. Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world! Manscaped offers precise engineered tools for your family jewels, and they have just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Now, I've been a massive advocate of Manscaped ever since I tried my first razor as I no longer need to worry about nasty nicks when keeping my pubic region nice and neat. But let me tell you about the latest upgrades. The improved trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage your travel lock, means it doesn't start vibrating in your bag. It also gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when you need it for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customise your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4, And how about wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Terrace. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Craig Anderson and I'm joined after um, after being married and having a lovely honeymoon in Italy by Tom Watt. How are you, how are you doing, Tom? How are you recovering to a return to civilian life? Uh, today it was raining. Like I've had two weeks of it being 26 degrees and having like lunch wine and uh, eating an awful lot of cheese and I've come back to two... Uh, 
so a sobering football match <laughs> yesterday and uh, a slightly rainy overcast Scotland. So to be honest, I would quite rather not be here, but it's nice of you. It's nice to see you. <laughs> well, that, that makes me feel very welcome. Uh, Tom, it's nice I, to see I, you. I, I don't fuck off and I'll do the rest of the podcast <laughs> myself. Um, but no, for the listeners' benefits, it would be better for uh, the two of us. And it was quite an interesting weekend of uh, Scottish Premiership action. So we're, we're going to basically run through the, the six games that took place in the Premiership this weekend. And then Tom and I are going to record a Patreon, which I think will go out immediately, which is uh, the a, a Scotland national team made up of just SPFL players, which was something that was suggested as, a, as an idea by one of your very kind listeners. So we will we will do the main show, which is, of course, free. And then if you're interested in that piece of Red Hot content, then then go to patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast and you can sign up for literally more content than you can listen to to be honest I, I find it difficult to to get that number down to zero on my podcast player uh, most of the time with the terrace patreons but by god i always manage it um right so i think we will start at the game that you want to talk about least tom and that was a tv game from sunday it was uh, st mirren three aberdeen two a lot of chat and i agreed with it before the game was kind of like why on earth have sky picked this game but um i think both all, all 22 players and the referee um, proved them wrong. Yeah, I mean, to the to the, to the the neutral, it was quite a good laugh. It was quite a good game. There was lots in it, lots of incident. Um, end-to-end, Simran taking the lead and then losing it, and then a red card, and then almost instantly um, Aberdeen buckling. Um, just, but to, to the uh, complete red tinted spectacles I've had just a, another shambles um, credit credit to St Mirren for kind of pulling their pulling their boots up and, and especially for, for Jim Goodwin for immediately from the point that Teddy Jenks got sent off immediately making a change whereas Stephen Glass didn't immediately paid dividends and uh, and there was never really and from the moment that it got to 2-2 only ever going to be one winner at that point. Um, and I think that's one of a number of things that are, are fairly alarming from an Aberdeen perspective. Um, St Mirren didn't have to be very good. They, I mean, it, defensively, I thought they were pretty ropey. Um, they were, uh, although they scored first, they were kind of lucky to only be um, a goal down in, in the first half because they, they the amount of t- times the ball was going across their box and they weren't clearing their lines, they did not look comfortable whenever, especially around hedges, but but um, if Johnny Hayes was getting on the end of things and running at the defence as well, they're causing a lot of problems. But the biggest, biggest issue with this Aberdeen team seems to be that they are so soft. There's, there's just, there's so, so little fight when they're put under pressure. Um, and Jenks having already been booked goes in for a challenge that he has no right to go in for and and it's a daft uh, second yellow and whereas you know the, the, there, there will always be comparisons to previous seasons but in previous seasons there would have been some dig and guts and either to immediately make a, a substitution and go to the back three which I think Glass was thinking about doing um, but to, to, to make some to to make some change to be a little bit more cohesive and a bit more defensively solid, uh, th- there was none of that. And at no point this season have you looked at... Th- there have been points where I've watched Aberdeen and thought, 
great, we're going to score a bunch of goals here because we're good going forward. But at no point this season have I looked at the starting eleven or the way that we've lined up and thought, if it comes to it, we can sit on this. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you talked about the the substitution and the fact that um, the glass was kind of dithering and pondering it um, while while as Goodwin was proactive. And I think, I mean, for me, Jim Goodwin is is clearly a much a much better manager, and I think he's he's proved that already in his career and and from what we've seen from them. But it came down to Gallagher from what I gather was kind of getting ready to come on, and he seemed like exactly the player you'd want in that situation. Now I know. He's not had the best start to his Aberdeen career. I mean, I say he's not had his best start. He's barely been given a, a chance from, um, you know, from what I gather. And as much as he has his flaws and he didn't have his best season at, Ab- at Motherwell last season, and, you know, he was maybe lucky to get the move to Aberdeen. And you can you can say what you want about all that. If you're talking about a lack of dig, a lack of character in the team, the one thing Declan Gallagher brings you is, is proper character. If you've got a spine of, of Declan Gallagher and, um, and Scott Brown in front of him, you shouldn't be, you know, that, that goes a long way to, to battling, especially when you've also got someone like Lewis Ferguson on the part. But instead, you've got, I, I think they might have played together, but a, a pairing, a centre-back pairing that was amongst the most, you know, the softest shit Rangers team from, you know, the Pedro Caccinha and the uh, late, late, late day Mark Warburton era. David Bates just isn't good. And 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 I know there was a bit of discussion about it. Robbie McCrory, yeah, Robbie McCrory, Ross McCrory, Robbie McCrory definitely isn't a centre half. Ross McCrory, for me, just isn't a centre half. He's not physically imposing enough. Maybe, maybe in a back three, he could get away with it, but not not as one of a back two. And time and again, when he plays centre back, it affects Aberdeen. Whereas when he plays in midfield, he gives you a lot more of that dig, and he's a mobile midfielder. And it, I. Always, or I generally will think you can defer to football managers and their, their greater knowledge of the game and so on. But I do get confused when managers over and over again have someone like McCrory there and you see him play centre-back and he's not good at it and they just keep trying it. It's like, um, you know, fool me once, shame on shame on you and all that. Like, it's... Why? Why do they keep persisting with it? And, and again, he wasn't he wasn't the problem in the back, the back pairing yesterday because I think... Bates and and I, and I realise I'm biased here because I've, I've never really thought he was very good. Um, but I think he's culpable for all three goals. Um, I mean, and, and it's in kind of an increasing levels of um, of fault as well. It's like goal goal number one. Well, the main blames at Joe Lewis for a, a dreadful kick out, but Bates. It's hard to tell. Can never get a good angle of it, but Bates seems to just be nowhere near the man who gets the ball at the end. He's nowhere near Ronan now. I know Ronan's not maybe directly his man because he's you know Bates will be thinking marking up Brophy or something like that but you're the deepest defender there's a guy that's making that run you need to be a lot closer to him he makes it I don't blame him for you know making a lunge at the ball and it deflecting over that's bad luck then for the second goal it just gets it just gets torn to shreds it just gets mm. turned inside and out it's the most obvious little shift in body shape from um, from Ronan again and, and I mean to, to the, the second finish the, the the quality of that goal is really high. I think Ronan, you see that you you know as an impressive player, someone again. I didn't I didn't know a great deal about from his Wolves time or whatever because you, you you generally never do when players come up on loan. But Bates just commits himself so easily, beaten so easily, and, and I think Lewis should at least make a token effort to dive at it because he kind of just almost looks resigned as the ball goes into the corner. And then the third one, I've seen some Aberdeen 
fancy and they thought it was a foul. But the problem is Bates is too busy trying to engage me when the cross is coming in rather than paying any attention to the ball. So the two of them get tied up in this grapple. They both kind of tumble over or whatever it is. And then that means that when Main gets back up and he's much quicker to, to his feet or much quicker to be regain his composure or whatever, Bates is playing everyone on side and he doesn't get himself... He, you've got two options. You sprint out as fast as you can or you go to the man and you put a proper challenge on him and he did neither. He just, he just sits there and a three-year deal... I thought it was a bad decision at the time, but what you've seen from him so far, I'd, I'd be hugely worried. And, and I think fundamentally, Gallagher is not worse than that. No, I, I, I think the 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 before the game there was an awful lot of of, of chat. Just that like, we still don't really know an awful lot about like no kind of how Glass wants to set up. But there's not really a character to the team. There's not really a he doesn't seem to have preferred players yet he doesn't seem to there's an awful lot of chopping change and there's still a, a sense that not quite figured out what what this is yet after Sunday I get the sense that it was maybe just a little bit more obvious than than we thought all along so we, we brought in Alan Russell as effectively a set piece expert um, and attacking um, attacking coach attacking going forward look pretty good kind of unlucky from from a couple of the matches not to take a bit more going forward pretty slick first half pretty slick from set pieces really dangerous but there's this there was a sense there was also a sense that um glass would have to do an awful lot of work defensively and there's nobody in the the setup who you would say is necessarily like a particularly meticulous tactician for 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 the defense the the squad as we've got it seems to be crying out to play a back three, whether Considine's fit or not. You've you've got three Scotland capped centre backs in the squad. Never mind the fact that I think, as you said, McCrory would work better as a centre back. Before, if 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 Mikey Devlin ever comes back to to full fitness, but I think the biggest concern for me is this: this is a good squad in like good in inverted commas, but they're they're. This is a. There are a lot of good players. There are a lot. The bench, most players on the bench would walk into seven or eight of the of the squads of the probably the the elevens in the league. He's been allowed to have a really big transfer window, huge turnover of players. Um, like Jenks started, could easily have started Sean Longstaff, uh, Longstaff on loan from from Newcastle or or Dylan McGeeh, both of whom. You know, don't necessarily know a huge amount of the, about the football that they played recently, but have recently played at a very high level. There are fourteen or fifteen full internationals um, in the squad, but they're just there's no cohesion. And as soon as they go behind, they're just just folded, just fold. Like there, there's no fight, there's no fight for each other. And at the moment, it looks glass looks like it's like giving a. a a really, really good film journalist, a big budget blockbuster to make. And the theory is all there and the the noises being made are the right noises, but there's no real evidence beyond, beyond the specialists that he's brought in that he really knows how to fix some of the fundamental problems and the, the, the fundamental problem mainly being the defence. But everyone in that squad, bar none, with a, with a possible exception of Calvin Ram, Ramsey, everyone in that squad is playing 
well below themselves. You, you know, even players that are, are a little bit more limited, everyone is playing below themselves at the moment. And the moment they went uh, a man down, Jamie McGrath started strolling around, um, showed why everyone was so interested uh, in, in him in the summer and just never looked never looked in any kind of danger of of getting a point, let alone three. He was a player I wanted to to single out. Ronan Ronan scored the two goals, but for me, especially when it went um, eleven v ten, McGrath was every. It was everybody. He's a he's a very interesting type of attacking player because he's not necess- I don't think he's necessarily possess- possess- blessed with a great amount of flair or a great amount of like skill. He's not like a uh, he's a technically very good footballer, but it's not like he's going to beat a man with like a trick. But what he does is he glides about the park. He's got a really good game awareness and he's really, really good at always finding the right pass, being clever with the, the way he, he plays the game. And you saw that a couple of times um, with, with the kind of, you know, um, the deliveries, the passes he puts in, the, the way he gets on the ball and he, he does dictate games. And, and you can see exactly why if Hibs want an upgrade on, on Kyle McGuinness, another player they bought from uh, St Mirren, um, he's clearly a better version of Kyle McGuinness. And if Hibs are looking for, you know, marginal improvements on their squad, well, you you, you bring in the better version of, of the same player, basically. And he he was probably, to me, instrumental in St Mirren turning that game around just in terms of, he was the one who was able to take advantage all the time of the extra spaces that were there because it, it went down to the, the um, 11 v 10. And I I think he's obviously worked his way into the Ireland team and stuff like that. I think he will he will go in January, whether it's Hibs again or whether someone else comes in. And and it's a big game, um, it's a big gap in that team. But one thing St. Mirren in recent times have always been very good at is uh, finding replacements when midfielders go to hips. It seems to be just a, a revolving door um, of of, uh, of midfielders and, and they've generally done all right with it. Um, but yeah, he was the one that, that stood out. I thought and I thought on the whole, yeah, you're right, like at the start, St. Mirren were, were fine. They played okay. But that was a game that was handy to them more than they had to go and take it. Um, you know, there was some there were some good performances. I, I thought the the change in bringing on Curtis Main, yeah, whether he got the goal or not, that that made a big difference in that move to to put in, put into up front. Um, Anik had a really good game. He, he um, you know can't do anything about the goals. I don't think, but he um, a couple of big saves. The one right at the start from Johnny Hayes. Maybe it's a different game if that goes in. And it's really good the way he spreads himself. He, he, he does enough to prevent the first shot from even being made properly. And then he gets himself right out on the ball. But yeah, it's I I don't necessarily... This Samirian squad is packed with okay players. But the one thing that they've got is, a, I think, a really good manager and a manager who will get them the results that make sure that they're not in any bother. And I think you saw that. We talked about the, the management I wondered what your take was, Tom, on the the red card um, for Jenks. Uh, it's a red card. I think it, I, I don't I don't entirely understand the justification for starting Jenks. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously they've taken him up on loan from Brighton. There's probably some agreement that he will be he will get games more. He was decent in the Livingston game, but I'm not quite sure what he is. He was playing a lot deeper in this game. Whereas previously he it, it certainly seemed to be suggested that he was a bit more of a 
of an attacking midfielder. And I mean, to to go back to the point about about Jamie McGrath, that at the start of last summer, he was heavily linked with Aberdeen. That's exactly the sort of player that you would want if you had if you if you're planning on playing a midfield three and one of them Scott Brown and one of them's Lewis Ferguson, a very complimentary third part of that would be someone like like McGrath. I think one of the reasons that there's been a minor, probably slightly overstated renaissance from Fonso Ojo is that he does a lot of running. Um, he's always an option for a pass. He can break out wide and will get forward with the ball. Is what's obviously been missing. I don't really understand one of the one of the issues, and it's a strange one to complain about. But it's a really, really big squad at the moment, and I don't know how you keep everybody happy. Like if Jenks, so, you know, Jenks is now suspended. I think it was, it it was a. I think the first one was maybe a little bit of a Willie Column yellow, and there was a couple of Willie Column yellows. But being on a yellow card, being out of control, there's a there's a justification for that being a straight red card. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have probably been a harsh straight red, but it, it's definitely a yellow. It's a stupid challenge to make. You're, there's not you're not in any danger. Just accept it, get back in, and it was just a bit of an experience. I think if you if you do some yellow card arithmetic, I think. Um... If the first one's like half a yellow card, then I think the second one's one and a half, and that still is up to two. Yeah. For, for me, the thing is like that that first yellow card, if he does that in the middle of the park, he's never getting a yellow card for it. But the fact that you're doing it close to the advertising holdings and you're propelling a player, you know, towards that, it ultimately increases how how risky, how reckless, how potentially dangerous the foul is. And and that has to be part of the consideration. And as I as you I agree with you doing something like that when you're on a yellow, I think you're always going to get sent off. And, and it did cost his team the game. It's not a, There's not a question about that. Um, Aberdeen were controlling that game. We're going to win that game. And they just, just reacted poorly when it happened. Anything else to chuck out there about this one, Tom? Uh, no, I'm glad it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's over. Um, but yeah, I think there is, there is proper pressure on glass. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it's eight, eight games without a win. That's for a, for a club like Aberdeen and with a budget the size Aberdeen have got. That and with the with the October that's coming up, there's there's yeah there's um, there's all sorts of glass under pressure barometer puns to be had. <laughs> right. Well, we will move on from from puns before we get too deep into them, and we will we will go over to Tynecastle where. Um, Part of Midlothian continued a very impressive uh, start to the season on their return to the Premiership and they swatted aside um, Livingston 3-0. Hearts still unbeaten this season, um, keeping themselves in touch at the top of the table. And from what I gather from the people who are there as Hearts fans, it was um, it was been kind of widely... There, there's a wide belief kind of coming around that this is one of the best Hearts teams in a long time now given what that's been compared with, that's maybe not, there's not been much to compare with recently, but there does seem to be a real kind of belief around this team and the quality of this team. And to be honest, I think I agree with that. I think they're an even better team than expected. I think the the transfer additions have made in the shape they've got really appeals to me. What do you make of them? Yeah, I think what impressed me most about them in this game was the, 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 the variety of ways they attacked Livingston. Um, they could go, they could go long when they wanted to. They could go. They were playing some very neat, intricate football. There were shots raining down on Strajek from all angles, from distance. Um, 
Cochrane and, and and Barry Mackay were very good when they needed to come deep and kind of pull the, the Livy defence apart. And that was just in the first 40 minutes. Um, they've, they've been impressive. I think they, the, they've got a bit of depth on the bench. I think they've got, they had a, a very impressive midfield. I think Banningami seems to be one of the steals, one of the, the deals of the summer. Uh, Devlin had an excellent game. Cochrane had an excellent game. Um, Mackay seem, seems to be the Mackay that went south before he went south, if that makes sense. Uh, seems to have come back the the the, the player that was the, the player that earned a move to Swansea rather than the, the kind of guy who seemed to have lost his way a little bit in the last eighteen months. But there, there's depth there. There's a they can mix it up. There's a depth on the bench. I th- yeah, I think they were they were hugely impressive. Yeah, and 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 the thing for me is, I mean, Devlin's come in um, as well and, and seems to have hit the ground running. So they, mm-hmm. they I I just think he's he's built a squad really well. He's got a system that he wants to play. He wants to play the back three, but he's got players that can interchange. As we've talked about a few times, the, the left wing backs and the fact that Kingsley and Cochrane can kind of both play both positions. I think makes it really, um, really flexible, and it keeps the opponents guessing. And in this game, yeah, they, they just blew Livingston away. I think it's it's kind of hard to talk tactically about this game because I think just it's it's a case of Hearts having much better players than than Livingston do. Um, the Livingston result against uh, Celtic last week, looking well, one of two ways you can see it either as a blip for Livingston or just maybe maybe a sign of exactly how good Celtic are. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I think um, every everything about this Hearts team just just screams out competence to me. Mm. Like everyone knows what they're doing, and and with someone like Mackay, who I've got to say I've never I've never necessarily been a huge fan. I've never rated super highly, but what he does bring is kind of an unpredictable bit, a bit of creativity, a bit something a bit different. And I think that's been what they were lacking. Um, you know, they had Mackay Stephen, who maybe could offer you a bit of that, but. You need to you need to take the pressure off him. You need to have another creative force, and and they've definitely done that. Um, yeah, I mean you can talk you can talk about the the goals. I think it's um, the, the the opening goal from Smith. It's really nice work from Mackay on the right. I think it's Mackay on the right hand side who swings it across, and then that was something that they they kind of exploited quite a lot. They seemed to get that overload down the left. You saw again with the the third goal with Cochrane. It seemed to be as we talked about. They've got those two players. Um, you know dovetailing almost your, your two kind of your centre back and your wing back is something Scotland have done to great effect as well I yeah I have no doubt that this the, the system will get found out to some extent in the sense that you know you get something that works and you need to keep refreshing it and renewing it because eventually other teams will work out how to play against that they'll put extra players on the right hand side the right hand side of their team because at the moment much of the much of the attacking threat is coming down that left because on the right, if you've got someone like Smith at wing back, as much as much as they scored a brilliant goal, he's not necessarily offering as much going forward. Um, and that that's a game that thinking a home game against a team you should expect to beat, getting that first one and getting it early-ish makes a big difference. Then then they get a penalty, which, which I think I think it is a penalty. And then um, um, at that point, it, it, to me, I always think when a better team goes up two 0 against a, a worse team, it's like it, it loses any interest for me as a um, as a neutral fan. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I was kind of watching bits of the game up to that, and then I'm like, what? Well, what's the point? Like, you, you know, you you know, you've seen this game three hundred times before. 
Um, but yeah, they, they got the they got the result in um, another clean sheet as well, and, and Moore seems to be slotting in. And I think this is a thing because you see Hearts, for example, bringing a young guy up on loan, or a, what I thought was a young guy up on loan from from English football in Moore. And you think, oh, you know, a guy for the squad. But then you look at him, he's 24, he's played quite a lot at that level. I think there was like a six, seven, eight million pound bid from the French League for him at some point and stuff like that. So he was a highly rated youngster. And I think you can see that in the sense that he's another player who can slot into that defence really well. Even, you know, Suter misses out, who's probably been, their, I, I would say, the player of the season so far. He's not playing, doesn't matter. Um, so Hearts are, yeah, they, they look... They look, the best teams are they don't have one star player that they rely on. They have a few good players and players that if even if one of those parts is missing, they can shuffle things around. I think I'd kind of been saying all the way going into this season, I thought Hibs were going to comfortably cruise to third place, but well, Hibs might cruise to third place, but Hearts might be the team, the team that are in second ahead of them. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Hearts are, are really impressive. I thought they would do well coming back up, but I think they might do better than I initially thought. I think they're, they're going to be an awful lot better than I thought they were going to be. I, I think a slightly deceptively, you know, a deceptively difficult season for them last year for... You know, for all sorts of reasons, I guess a stop start season and a, and a sprint rather than a proper season. But there is an awful lot of football in the squad. There's an awful lot of very neat footballers, um, and there are an awful lot of players who I think, like like Halkett, who I think would have would have been written off as a failed experiment at the start of this season. Like the, there was a good reason for him coming in, but he look he looks much more mobile. He looks much more confident. Um he understand like he, he works better in the in the back three. But yeah, the squad's good. There are everyone is willing to the, there was always players looking for um looking for a pass. I think they they played twice as they they, they had more than twice as many touches of the ball um, as Livingston did. And for the first, for, for basically the first sort of 30, 35 minutes, Livingston couldn't, could barely get out of their own box. From that, from the point that Hart scored their, their second, they just suffocated the game. That is a very, very good set of skills to have as a squad. Yeah, and I think you look at that Levy team and I'm... <laughs> It looks like a championship team. There is no, there is no longer much to feel. There's no longer much quality in there. There's, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it in front of me, and there's not a single player who you say if, if you told me they would be playing in the championship next season, you would be saying, oh, you, well, they're definitely too good for that league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I said, I now have the experience of the championship, and so even some of the players that you think are going to be too good for that league, they're, they're not necessarily. It does very, it very much looks like the sort of squad Queen of the South would have, I think, um, and that's. And that's got to be a worry. Um, I know they're, they're, they've got, you know, Omionga came on and he he is a quality player or, or he was at some point, but... He did make a bit of a difference. I mean, he, he did, I mean, admittedly, it was it was at 2-0 down and and a bit of a difference is it's maybe overstating it, but they looked a slightly less vulnerable, slightly more proactive team with him coming on. But I think that's what you'd expect because... He could probably have come on for any of the ten outfield players and and improved on the old, what was out there. The old Franz Beckenbauer uh, mantra. Um, yeah, 
It was him, wasn't it? With the put, the put all the players in a bag and smash them uh, <laughs> with a stick, and whoever hits definitely hits hit someone. It. It fault. <laughs> um, right, we'll we'll move on. To, we'll pick. We'll, we'll just run through the Saturday game. So we'll go for um, Mother. Will uh, continue in their excellent start to the season with a win over Ross County, a hard fought win, deserved win, I think. But County are continuing this uh, this theme of not playing very bad, not not playing too badly, but not winning either in, in most likely losing games and they are they are a uh, joint bottom of the league unless I'm mistaken in that um, that's got to be a worry for them Motherwell I wasn't sure what to make of them I thought they would be a quite competent team and I thought they would you know definitely be in no danger and probably challenging for the top six but again Alexander seems to have the knack of generally beating teams that they're better than and I think that's when it's the league this season and, and you're probably better than half the teams I think that's a really good uh, a really good um, ability to have I think it's uh, four wins in a draw in the last five games I was going to say you can't get much better than that you can get much better than that you could win all five games but um, given that the draw was away at Ibrox as well um, yeah they, they have to be really impressed with uh, really impressed with how they've started and it's not been there's been changes between players in and out. Uh, Johansson came in for a for a game or two, looked good. He's been missing, but Ricky Lamy has come in and managed to look competent. You've got guys like McGinley who last season you weren't sure of, suddenly seem to be performing, and so there is very little to to grumble about if you're a Motherwell fan at the moment. Yeah, they do seem to they they all seem to be fighting for each other. They seem to have quite a cohesive unit. I mean, again, I. I thought they would be in trouble because they weren't particularly great last season. There is an argument that, but for, I mean, but for signing a goalkeeper, when admittedly all the other goalkeepers were terrible, there is a caveat to that. But but for bringing Liam Kelly, they would have been in an awful lot more bother if, if than they, had, they ultimately were. If Kelly had signed Liam Kelly instead of Muller signing Liam Kelly in, in January, probably the two clubs could be swapped over right now. I think if, if Kelly had signed a goalie, though, if, yeah, yeah, well, if, <laughs> if, if Kelly had signed even someone of the quality of our, our current goalkeepers, yes, then, then the same would be true. They're, they're, um, but I think they look like they are. They're a pretty cohesive unit. Um, they all seem to be playing for each other, um, and there's, there's. I think the, the the start of this good run, they were kind of they they were quite hard fought. Uh, matches and they were really difficult to play against and kind of right right awkward buggers. This was actually a really good game. Both teams played quite a quite a lot of football. Um a couple of lovely goals. I thought both goals were were really good. Uh Slattery's opener just like smashing it and and Lamy's ball for for Tony Watt kind of getting into that Barcelona position that he, um to, to score. But I think also credit Credit, credit to Ross County. Like there are a lot that you could say an awful lot of things about Malky Mackay, and we have, and we will, and we'll continue to do so. But terrible football manager, like terrible, terrible man. Yes, ter- you know, unapologetic coward in the face of owning up to the situation that he's, he's caused. Yeah, but terrible football manager isn't one of them. Um. And they have, for me, the worst squad in the league. I don't think there's an awful lot of technically good, great, great footballers in that squad. 
but they played some really nice football. They were entertaining um, and they were kind of unlucky not to at least get a draw from this. So where I think it will be interesting, like, it, it looks like it's between them and Livingston at the, at the bottom. And Livingston look like largely not a very good team who made, they're the Hamiltons of this, who largely are going to lose, but will keep going. And every week, occasionally they'll pull something out of the bag. County look like they may potentially at some point win two or three on the bounce through just, they seem to have a, an identity. They're still a bit of a soft touch. They're still conceding some some soft goals, but they're conceding the kind of goals um, that you would expect for the players that they've got. They're, they look a little they look a little better than the some of their parts, and that sense that's an incredibly backhanded compliment. But you know they 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 played their part in this game, I think. Yeah, and I think Mikhail will be to me will be raging with this state of the first goal, Slattery's goal. It's like the way the ball yeah. pinballs about, <laughs> and it's like so much of a lack of control. And then in fair play, like Slattery, all of a sudden, like the quality of the finish is excellent, but the defending four, four like chances so to clear it. <laughs> It's so slapdash, it's so uncontrolled and everything about it just screams out like relegation, relegation. But yeah, I agree with you completely that Mackay is, he's not a brilliant manager and I didn't understand when he was being linked with the Scotland job, like legitimately because apart from already being employed by the SFA, that, that was as much as his qualifications were. He's He did okay as a manager down in England, but not enough that his track record would have gotten that. But in terms of a Scottish Premiership manager's job, based on what he did in England, absolutely, you would, you would imagine he would be cut out for this level as a manager. Apart from his, you know, his time away from the game, he's probably blunted his kind of contact book, which, as you say, has left him with a weak squad. And I think also he made some bad decisions in terms of which players he, he let leave the club, because I think he let, and maybe it wasn't him, but Ross County have emptied several players who definitely could have continued to play for them at this level. Um, half of which have have turned up at Rugby Park this season, but um, they they have replaced them with what I would say are inferior players. Um, so yeah, he's got a job on his hands in that respect. But in terms of yeah, how they play, obviously a bit lucky with their goal. Uh, but Charles Cook seems to finally be blossoming into a decent enough player. He came with a big potential, and last season was was generally quite poor but he seems to be getting a, a bit of a tune out of him he, he seems to be at least contributing things to games and to say it's a really nice cross nobody gets to touch on it Kelly I think should do better I think it's always hard with those ones but I think it doesn't go right in the corner so I'm always thinking you know the goalkeeper should be better prepared to deal with that but that's probably nitpicking but then the defending again isn't great for, for Watts goal and um, Tony Watts a player who's in um, excellent form should add anything else in this game Right, well, well, we'll finish off Saturday's games with uh, with uh, Dens Park, where Rangers ground their way to a 1-0 victory, probably slightly fortunately against Indeed to keep themselves top of the table, to um, essentially start, they maybe start to pick up a wee head of steam in terms of, you know, well, I say that, they, they drew last weekend, so that's a stupid thing to say, but you know what I mean, they're, they're, they're no longer, um, you know, they've, they've won a couple of their last away games, having that maybe been considered an issue for them. Um, they rode the luck obviously with uh, Jason Cummins having his penalty saved on the whole they could definitely Dundee much like Ross County like we've talked about they made a game of it they turned up they were 
part of the game. They had plenty of chances. And like Ross County, they keep failing to win. And Rangers, it was a nice goal that they scored. Um, well, what I think the one thing I watched, and I think you could tell Dundee maybe not used to playing teams of that quality, was for Rangers' goal, the ball went into roof, it kind of went back into the midfield. And I was watching all the time, and the Rangers' forwards were all moving around. There was so much movement from them, and the Dundee defence was so static. And you saw when Morelos came in to get the ball in the feet. He didn't really get, neither did he get tracked, nor did anyone kind of really make a move to, to block his passing routes. And he plays a lovely ball around the corner to Aribo, who's, who's striding in. And, and that was the goal that, that ultimately won the game. But they didn't create a load of high quality chances, Rangers. And that's something that they've, they've generally done, and especially against poorer teams in previous years. So, again, you've got this balance of are they a good team going through a bad spell, or is this just them? You, you don't know for this season. And I think the next few weeks will maybe say a bit more about that, but ultimately they can't be too concerned because they're, they're top of the league. Yeah, they're a, they're a point or, or two ahead of, um, you know, Hibs, Hearts, Mullerwell, but realistically they're still looking at Celtic who they've already got a wee six-point gap over despite themselves not having played particularly well. So they will not be moaning too much. Um, I mean, it's hard to add much. It's always it's when Rangers and Celtic win games. It's like, yeah, well done, you won. Yeah, well, well they make a long play. Well done, he's nine. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think, I think the 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 only real takeaway from this for Rangers is they won. They've they've their weight. You know, their their squads had to deal with a bit, a few injuries. They've had to adapt the way that they played slightly. There's a couple of players, like I, th- I guess Lundstrom had probably his best game in a Rangers shirt, which is not saying a huge amount, but looked a bit more like a player who had played at Premier League level, albeit against a Dundee side that look, you know, Dundee side that are, are definitely going to be down at the bottom of the table this season. I, but like you say, it's hard to tell whether this is just uh there's a bit of a bit of bit of stage fright and a bit of lethargy um about uh, uh the the title holders or whether they're just kind of sussing themselves out for this season. They they injuries will definitely have played a part, but they were lucky to get um, you know, they were lucky to get the win, not just because uh, Cummings missed the penalty, but because Dundee were pretty decent on the counter-attack and caused a few problems at set pieces and 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 didn't give a particularly bad account of themselves, you know, with the exception of the Griffiths, who but you know was was subbed in some acrimony. Um but he's not he's not made a good start, I have to say, have to say you expected uh, I still expected better of him. I know he's been, you know, out for a while and, and all of that stuff, but I've got to say I still probably expected a bit more from him than than what we've seen so far. Yeah, he's he doesn't look remotely fit. Like he doesn't even look like a, he doesn't even look like he's ready to go and get fit. He looks like he is quite a quite a long way from, you know, a 5k fun run fit and that's got to be a worry for I mean Celtic's still paying part of it. At, at, at the moment he is not he's not fit enough to play 45 minutes let alone let alone 90 and 
you can totally understand why Dundee are, are, are kind of rolling the dice on him and, and hoping to take a chance that he gets it's, it's, over the course of the season. But it's just so far off it at the moment. It's baffling. You're still less than a year ago from him being thrown on by Scotland in biggest game in a, you know, yeah. in a generation and, and scoring a penalty with absolutely no issues. And again, yes, I know he was only on the park for about three minutes or something, but it's weird to see him, you know, how, how he's already fallen. But yeah, Cummings coming was probably the, the right replacement for a game like this, but obviously the ultimate thing that he did in the game um, cost his team... Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad penalty in the sense that if you're going to go down the middle, that's probably where you put it. But what, is, what or maybe you put it a bit higher, I don't know. But but McLaughlin, he, he dived, but he dived in that nice way that he kind of kept his feet there to be able to make the save. And and he he has been a really good signing for Rangers because yeah. he's meant, I mean, McGregor's pushing 40. He might even be 40 now. I'm, I'm not sure. He's very close to it anyway. He's able to take the strain off because McLaughlin is equally not as good as McGregor, but he's able to play in these these types of games, and he's still one of the better goalkeepers in the league. He's probably yeah, he's he is one of the better goalkeepers in the league. He's probably in the top top five, if not higher, and he's able to turn up and you know he's he barely can see a goal when he plays for Rangers. Again, that is because he often gets picked in games that Rangers dominate, but. You can't argue with the signing. I think it, it was a big part last year in the winning the league in terms of having just someone who could take a bit of the strain, and 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 that's continued to be the case. Um, I don't think I don't think there is much else to say on this game. Um, so we'll move on to the remaining two on on Sunday. Uh, we'll start with Hibernian um, one, St Johnston nil. I wa- I watched all of this game. I watched it live and. It wasn't a great game. There wasn't a lot of quality in the game. I thought he, I thought he was the better team. Um, unlike most of the recent games against St. Johnson, I thought they actually they were they were stunted by some degree by um, St. Johnson and the kind of way they set up. But I think fundamentally, St. Johnston now have poorer quality in their team. And when you replace good players with worse players, you just give the opponents that wee extra inch, and that all adds up. And I thought Hibbs edged the first half and probably should have got or could have had a goal out of it, even if they didn't create loads of clear-cut chances. Second half was more of the same. I would say St. Johnston did look dangerous in the game, but I think they, they are just they are just starting to miss some of their better quality players. Um, ultimately, though, they, they were they were robbed somewhat by a, by a, a, sh- a shocking refereeing decision. That, that's the that's the decision that decides the game. Uh, I have to say, I actually haven't seen back the the, um, the Nisbet penalty challenge in the first half when Clark uh, went in on him. I thought watching it live, it probably was a it was a fair challenge, but I haven't seen that back, so I could be overlooking that. But the penalty itself, the ball clearly does hit. I think it does hit McCart on the arm, but his arm is right in front of his body, and that is not a penalty kick. And something that that Tony mentioned, and I, I was what I was going to say from watching it back. It's when you see how McCart turns his body, one of his arms is extended out from his side. The ball doesn't hit that one, but I think the referee must think that that's the one the ball comes off and the one that's in front of his body is the one it actually comes off, which isn't a, a penalty. But it's a terrible it's a terrible decision and, and it's one that, you know, that's the only possible solution I think of because yeah, Beaton's looking straight at it and, and yeah, he's got to take evasive action when the ball comes back towards him, but he's already, should have already seen and processed the incident by then. It's not like he's ducking out of the way and as he ducks out of the way, the, the 
the potential foul happens. And and to me, he compounds that because he has to know it. As a referee, you do know that if you've made a contentious decision, and I'm not saying it's a right or a wrong decision, but you've made a decision that the opposing team genuinely think is wrong compared to one that they're just complaining about because that's what footballers do. You do know the difference. He must have known the difference. And then I really don't see any need. To, don't, don't get me wrong, it's stupid from McCart to get himself the second yellow. I don't see any need for the referee to get involved in that incident. I don't think there, there wasn't. It wasn't a game that was packed with dissent. It wasn't a game where folk were constantly up in his face screaming. The St. Johnson players complained about the penalty. He booked Craig for that. I can understand I'm doing that for the dissent around the penalty. Just have a wee word in McCart's ear. Say, look, I've made my decision. Move on. I, um, I'll watch it back later. If it's, you know, just whatever you yeah. want to say to him. It just feels to me like a referee who's unable to, to deal with a bit of... It's an yes, aloofness that it comes across as and a real kind of pettiness. And it's like, oh, you've com- you've complained about my decision, right? Well, I'll get you kind of thing. And it's, 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 it's policing. It's like you want referees to kind of police the rules rather than enforcing them every single time. You want a bit of humanity to go, right, well, the, 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 this is the spirit of the law. And I understand that people have maybe lost their lost the run of themselves a wee bit because they're passionate about it but like genuinely generally like if ever there was like a case for some sort of double jeopardy you've given the contentious penalty maybe just like cool your jets a little bit and let them off it's not like again dissent and don't get me wrong it's like if if people i think they should use their cars more for dissent when it's screaming in people's faces when it's people Mm. kind of coming right in their face kind of you know arms flailing and all that but Kind of sarcastically applauding someone from a distance. I don't think it. I don't think it affected the game. I think Hibs are going to go in and win that game um, anyway. To be honest, but it just it just leaves a bit of a sour taste, and it's like John beating all over. Really, he's he's just not a he's not a players referee. If you know what I mean, he doesn't he doesn't get the players on his side the way someone like Bobby Madden does, for example, where. He might make mistakes. He does. All the referees make mistakes, but you at least get the sense that you know when he does, he's he's not. He's not then being a, a dick constantly just to make up for that. Um, Michael Halloran, I think, had a really good start to the season for St. Johnston. Um, I'll, I'll comment on that. There was two quick wingers on the park, if you want to call them that, and they're both better. They're both more than that, but Halloran and Boyle, they're two incredibly dangerous players. So, you know, the pace, the control of the ball when they run, and, yeah, both of them really impressive, I, I had to say, from, from that game. Um yeah, I didn't have much else to add. I thought Hibs are... Macy, I still can't make my mind up on because he made a couple of good saves, but he's also... <laughs> Liam Craig twice tried to score from a corner directly, and I think it's because they didn't fancy Macy. And then right at the end, it was about 45 seconds over like what the added time was. A big long ball came up and he came right to the edge of his box to try and claim it. And I don't know why, because there was two defenders there. And he made a mess of it, but fortunately it kind of never dropped properly for St. Johnson player, but he's definitely a downgrade in what they've had before. And whether he'll grow into it or not, I don't know. But yeah, he would he would be a worry for me. Just he he seems like a it, it's the you don't want a goalkeeper with an X factor. <laughs> yeah. you, and he is a goalkeeper with an X factor. Like there's largely seems reliable and you you just don't want to be jumpy and there is and is just prone to doing the odd 
odd thing, and I think that's where there's there's a bit of concern. I, I think I pretty much agree with your, your summary completely. I think I, I don't. I, I mean, I think had it not been for the penalty, it would have been. An, a, it, it was a nil-nil game. There was lots of blocks and lots of tackles and lots of losses of possession. And I think I mean Hibs have only beaten St Johnston three times in the last fourteen games, and Jack Ross tinkers with the formation and nips and tucks with the setup every single time to try and counter whatever St. Johnson did with, with minimal success. I don't know if they'd have broken them down without the the penalty, but the better team won on the day. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think it wasn't it wasn't a much better team, but they, they were better enough. A team who who have really been the better team this season. Um, I don't know why I decided to do a wink, having not done it the rest of the time, but it's just always good to put the, the foot right into Celtic, isn't it? Um, Celtic won, Dundee United won. Another failure from Celtic. They're, I mean, seven seven games and ten points is not the type of start that you would like to make um, to a season when you're, you're not trying to wrestle the title back off your rivals and they themselves... Haven't had the best start, so if you know you had been right on it, um, you could have you could have done something. But instead, yes, I've had a bit of an injury crisis and so on. But Celtic are at the moment a, a fraction of what you you think they could be, and they've got some players there who are just quite obviously substandard. There's a there are there's not just one or two either. There are far too many players who are just not not good enough, um, and. I don't want to take away from Dundee United because Dundee United were good. But if you were to go to kind of coaching 101 and say you are up against any Celtic side and you'd done a bit a bit like, so what are you going to do? You're going to sit a little bit deeper, you're going to hit them on the counter-attack and you're going to press that back line because that back line is not particularly good, like a, a higher press against the back. That was that was the like not to undermine what Courts did, but that was that was the tactic. Just you know, Celtic are going to have possession. Okay, come on, come on, us do something about it. Couldn't do anything about it and couldn't deal with uh, Niskanen, who I thought was was really impressive. Thought he had a good game. Uh, Niskanen, Clark, Clark, and, and Paulet, who I think seemed to be quite a complementary front front three. But there's just so many substandard players at Celtic at the moment. Um, they were lucky to get a point, and not even not even going into the the penalty decision, which in isolation I think was obviously a penalty. I think there was a foul for me. There was a foul before it yeah, even yeah, gets into, it, it gets to, the, to be a penalty. So you know, two wrongs ultimately made a right. But they were very lucky to get a, to get a point. Dundee United created chances. Um, that that they could easily have taken, and Dundee United are a good side, and they're kind of coming to the boil, but they're a long way from a, a from a great side. I don't think they're going to finish in the top six this season. No, I mean, and you saw um, them get. I mean, they, yeah, they were unlucky with with a couple of decisions, but they got they got taken to the cleaners a bit by Hibs in midweek. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> Hibs had dangerous players at Hartley, and, and Celtic have two wingers at Hartley, but their centre forward. They, they've got two wingers, and Furuhashi, when he's fit, yeah. looks like he. I mean, he he could easily. For me, he looks like the best striker in the league. Um, you know, Morelos has, has been that previously, but hasn't been firing on all cylinders for a little while. 
Burihashi looks like the 20 million, you know, the 15, 20 million pound striker in the league now. But without him, there's there's too many players that are just playing. Celtic committed more fouls than Dundee United. They gave away the possession more. They, they, they attempted more tackles than Dundee United. This is not a... Um, or sorry, the, t- the amount of tackles attempted were pretty even. These are not like smash and grab points. These are teams just going toe to toe with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they're not good enough to break them down, and they're not good enough to sit defensively. The, they started the season with a defence that teams in the bottom six would not be comfortable. You know, would not have been comfortable starting the season with. You know, we're now what a fifth of the way through the season, sixth of the way through the season, and there's still that that defense still does not look good. It still does not look settled. And I think the the fans were far quicker to realise that Celtic were in bother than the board were. I don't think either realised quite how much bother they're in. I don't think this is like for 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 all that they like you know Celtic got the best goal difference in the league this season because of, off the back of a couple of like incredible home wins. But it doesn't they don't look like they're about to click. No. There aren't there aren't the players in that squad to make them able to grind because you, you can't sit on that team you wouldn't put any faith in that defence to not concede in any given game. And I think, like, I, I like Postacoglu. I think I like the cut of his jib. I kind of, he seems like a character. He, he gives good sound bites, but he was a bit spikier after the game. Like, you, you know, saying you, you, you call the title early here, don't you? I, I don't, n- nobody is calling the, nobody's calling the title, but Rangers have been pretty crap by their own standard this season. And they're six points clear. Hibs and Hearts are absolutely flying, and Hearts have already beaten them this season. The league, the 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 depth of quality in the top eight is better than it was last season. Top nine, maybe. There are far more teams in those in those nine that are in any given week could potentially take points off you. What I what I would say Celtic have to worry about is that it's very real that both Hibs and Hearts are good in the same season. And this season they are. And if one of them, because I don't think either of them have shown as much as they actually can this season, if one of them just starts to put a run together and Celtic keep faltering, all of a sudden you are looking at a, you know, the the five points becomes eight points, becomes 12 points. And then you get to, to January and you're panicking. And given what's at stake, it's a Champions League spot. It's It's guaranteed group stage football. It's all of those things. You cannot be panicking. <laughs> I don't mean it's guaranteed Champions League group stage football. I mean, like, group stage in one of the tournaments. It's not a good season to to have a bad season um, mm. if you're Celtic. It, it doesn't It doesn't look like a squad either that is... Uh, there is a, and there is a world of difference between being, you know, being in the title hunt. If in January Celtic are six points behind Rangers and they're in second place, would you bet against them chasing down six points? No. If it comes to January and they're in fourth or fifth place and there's, you know, 10 points between them and the team in second, which is not completely beyond the realms of possibility at the moment. At the moment, 
they do not look like a team that is going to put a run together of six, seven, eight wins in a row. And there are other teams that look like that. I mean, that there are other teams that have that are uh, that near enough have that are unbeaten so far this season and have caused them an awful lot more problems. I, I mean, I, they they have got horrendous injuries. They do have players to come back, but a, a couple of the signings just don't look don't look up to it. McCarthy coming off because didn't really know what to do with him. He seemed an odd signing on a four-year deal. Um, anyway, Starfelt, who actually was one of the better performers, I think, in, in defence, just doesn't look comfortable as a centre-back. Carter Vickers coming, again, one of the, seems to be the, the first choice centre-back, and even when, when everyone's fit, I think, has started better. He had his brain fart moments in this game as well. And that back five, you wouldn't put any faith in at the moment. And I think there, there is still a belief with, with a bit of justification because there have been fits and bursts that Celtic will click at some point. And especially going forward, they'll, they'll, they'll start, you know, just cleaning, cleaning the house with wiping teams out entirely possible. But the less momentum they can build up, um, they they need they need a bit of momentum behind them. They need to start putting a couple of wins together because at the moment it's fits and bursts. It, it's it's six nil or one one, and that's you're going to finish the season at the moment. You would not put it past Celtic finish the season with like a plus seventy goal difference and finishing fourth. Yeah, exactly. And then what, on that lovely note, we will we will wrap things up for um, for the podcast. Oh, I guess we should have a just just a, a mention of Dundee United in the sense that again they, they played well. We talked about them already um, in terms of yeah, they they, they went toe to toe with Celtic. You saw that. I mean, Fuchs, um, not for me. Some people would say it was maybe. Unlucky, unlucky not to get a red card. I don't think that's the case. I think it, it was a yellow card foul and, and not more than that. But um, yeah, he was he was excellent. He he kind of can be excellent. And Ian Harks is starting to grow. I think at this level a bit. I mean, he scored last week, and that's a lovely goal um, that he got. Yeah. And it, impeccable timing, given it's um, you know immediately after you go behind. That's when you want, you don't want to be behind for too long, and, and they and they immediately get the goal back. Um, so yeah. They are perhaps doing better than I thought they would at this point. I think it's still a long season ahead for them, but yeah, they, they, there's some signs that Courts might be um, more pragmatic than I thought he was going to be, even if he is clearly as much of a gobshite as I thought he was going to be um, <laughs> coming out today again, kind of basically sticking the knife into Mickey Mellon um, for no reason, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting to to see how that pans out over the season. But yeah, he, he's building a building a, a decent enough uh, team so far, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. So thank you um, for for listening to tonight's podcast or today's podcast or whatever time you listen to its podcast. Tom and I are going to go off to record our Patreon. We, we trailed it at the start about a Scotland eleven um, just using domestic players since it's international time coming around soon again. Um, and the players change every year, so you can have this topic regularly and it doesn't matter because it's different ones every time. And uh, I'll just uh, thank you for listening. You can get that over on patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Thank you for joining me, Tom. Thanks very much. And uh, enjoy your midweek football.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.